whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 104. And today, I know you guys have been really asking, whenever I do these interviews, why can't we do them in person? And well, I'm here. I'm hearing you, and we're doing it today with the host of Facts on Sports, Facts on Childress for 105.5, The Roar, is that correct? Uh, yes, it is. And also a color analyst for ESPN, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep, ESPN Plus, some color analysts work there as well. So There you go. So today, we're going to talk about Clemson and Wake. We're both actually uh, heading to uh, Winston-Salem today to cover it for our respective uh, outlets. And we're going to talk a little about about his Eagles and just kind of what's going on in the sports world. So let's just talk about Wake Forest real quick. So Sam Hartman, incredible story, incredible quarterback, probably one of the best quarterbacks in this conference. Give us your give us your impressions on tomorrow and just what are you looking forward to? What are you expecting? Let's just run through it. Players, play, players and players. Gosh, I can't talk. Coaches, players and all that. Just It's just going to be a big game. The meat of the schedule is finally here. Yeah, I mean, you know, Clemson opens up as seven-point favorites at Wake Forest. Uh, Dabo Swinney, 13-0 in his era. His tenure as uh, Clemson Tigers head coach against Wake Forest. So he's had a lot of success, obviously. Brent Venables always did a great job of shutting down that mesh point offense that Wake Forest is kind of anointed as theirs. Wake did get into a little bit of trouble last week mm-hmm. against Liberty, ended up pulling out the one-point victory over the Flames at home. So Clemson opens at seven-point favorites. I think they're going to win and cover that spread. Um, I think a big reason for that is going to be everyone's coming back healthy on defense mm-hmm. from what we've heard of. You know, There were hints of Xavier Thomas going to be able to play tomorrow. I saw a stat today that William Quackenbush, uh, he quote-tweeted it, Thomas Brissy and Tyler Davis have only ever played 24 snaps together as a unit, if really? I'm not mistaken. So wow. that 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 front line and KJ Henry. So that front line together, KJ Henry and Xavier Thomas at end, and then Brissy and Davis up front. They've only ever played 24 snaps together <laughs> in their Clemson tenure. We have the chance to get all four of them on the field. I think that obviously it's no longer the Venables era. It's the Goodwin era defensively for the Tigers, but I still believe in Clemson's ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Sam Hartman, great quarterback in his own regard, prone to mistakes for being yeah. fully transparent through two picks last week against Liberty. You know, he's going to put the ball in jeopardy. And if you can get Sam Hartman pressing early, I think it could be a good day for the Tigers. I think we're going to have a chance to, you know, really force some turnovers. Yeah. I think that what I look at last year and this was the year that, that was the game that really everything kind of went right for Clemson in a right. season where, if it went wrong, it went wrong for Clemson. Whether it was injuries, offensive inconsistencies, just across the board, it was just not what you'd expect from a 2021 season. And that Wake game kind of felt like, hey, this team still has the talent to put it all together. DJ was remarkably consistent in that game. Bo Collins made some big catches. And the defense, I believe, had double-digit sacks, if I'm not mistaken. It was kind of like you were counting it off. Yeah. You were sitting there like, wait a minute, how many did they have? D-line was killing. Yeah, that RPO, that offense that you mentioned, it gives Clemson almost an advantage on the defensive line because that time it takes for the ball to kind of get in St. Harmon's hands and him to make a decision. Xavier Thomas is already in your face or KJ Henry is already in your face or Brzee and Davis have pushed the guards back. So the way I look at it is Wake Forest can move the ball effectively down the field. It's going to be interesting to see how our secondary as well, who in the last couple of games, we've seen a little bit of struggles, but also right. kind of take Furman and Los Hex best punch and move forward with that. Yeah. And I was really impressed with Toriano last week. Yeah. Actually, I think, you know, for him and Jaden Lucas are the two true freshmen of this team uh, at defensive back. There's some in, uh, injuries, obviously, in the secondary. Toriano, I thought, played really well in man-to-man coverage last week. Um, you know, we've seen some miscommunications in zone coverage over the course of the Goodwin era so far. That's expected in the first three games. You know, still working out the kinks a little bit defensively in the secondary. But, you know, to your point, if the defensive linemen are in your face, it doesn't matter how the secondary is holding up because they're going to be able to pressure the quarterback. I think that Clemson's depth is going to be really important as well on the defensive line because I mentioned this a little bit on my show previously this week, but Wake Forest 
bad pass blocking offensive line, right? Bad objectively, you know, they're not good in pass block one rate PFF grades them out low. They're not a good offensive line pass blocking. So when you combine the factors that Clemson has an elite defensive line with depth, you're playing at a fast pace. Wake Forest is playing at a fast pace right. and they're trying to get tempo, tempo, tempo. Clemson can bring in fresh legs. These offensive linemen are going to get tired if they're able to move the ball with tempo and you're going to be able to bring in Justin Maskell. You're going to be able to bring in these guys that can contribute that are technically backups. It's the fact that Rook is a backup yeah. and Justin Maskell. I mean, these are incredible players that could probably walk into any pack, uh, power five program and have a starting role in their backups at Clemson. That's just how talented the defensive line unit is this year as a whole. So, if Wake wants to go pace, 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 these offensive linemen are going to get tired and it's going to open up even more sack opportunities. So I think it's just really advantageous for the Tigers to have that depth. I think that it's going to make Wake uncomfortable. And I don't trust Wake Forest's ability to run the ball. I think they're going to yeah. be pressing early. I think they're going to be desperate for chunk plays. Obviously, you've got A.T. Perry on the outside and you've got some playmakers. The Demon Deacons have some solid wide receivers. But I really trust Clemson's pressure to be able to get home and make Sam Hartman's life difficult before those playmakers can get open down the field. Yeah, and you mentioned how that, that depth in Clemson, it's very, uh, it's very valuable. They've got been able to have these three games where you have these injuries you have Xavier Thomas step out you have Brzee with this personal situation you have Tyler Davis have missed two games guys like Peyton Page Demonte Capehart Kevin Swint those guys got to get in and get that valuable game experience so hey Xavier needs a Xavier needs a breath on a rep or something like that you got a guy like Swint or Maskell that can come in and almost not not necessarily equal the production but be able to give up to that live up to that standard that Clemson's defense has been able at least that defensive line has really set the bar extremely high over the years. Yeah, I mean, and talk about how spoiled we are. You know, this <laughs> weekend we're going to have Xavier Thomas and K.J. Henry probably as the ones on the end, and then you rotate them out and you got Justin Maskell and Miles Murphy. I mean, we're talking about four potential NFL guys that you're rotating in and out at end at your own will, and that's not even mentioning, uh, mentioning Brissy, you know, yeah. Tyler Davis, who are both going to be NFL guys, and then you bring in Peyton Page, you bring in Cuddy, you know, Demonte Capehart, who IMG four-star recruit. Oh, yeah. He had a great game last week as well, so – there is just so much depth that's not even mentioning guys like Rook, not even mentioning Zaire Patterson, yeah. who's a redshirt freshman, a four-star recruit. Like, there is so much talented defensive line. Nick Easton has done such a good job with this group. I'm really excited. I think they're going to eat, eat Sam Hartman alive tomorrow. I really yeah. do. I, I really expect the repeat of last year in terms of defensive line production. And we also have speed on the edge. you got Barrett Carter. you got Trent oh, yeah. Simpson, who, if something happens or something gets over the middle, maybe to the boundaries, you get guys like Simpson and Carter, who you could theoretically say, hey, we're going to put you at a nickel. And what Barrett's been playing, too, he's been kind of that nickel corner, just being able to go from sideline to sideline. Man, he's special. It is, you, it's a blink, and he's going to just fly across the field. It is unbelievable how the embarrassment of riches this defense has. Yeah, I mean, it's not really fair how good Barrett Carter and Trent Simpson <laughs> are. Like, you should not be able to move that fast at the size they're at. You know, they would either of them would kill me. And I'm not necessarily small. I would not want to take a hit from Barrett Carter. I, don't I would not want to take a hit from Trent Simpson. So, you know, <laughs> if either of them are watching, I know Barrett's been a guest on the show. I went mm -hmm. to high school with Barrett, you know, spare me, uh, save it for <laughs> Wake Forest, save it for Sam Hartman. But, you know, the linebacking core is just so much more athletic this year than in years past. And obviously guys like, you know, Ben Bulwer, guys like James Skalski, guys like Spectre, they all have their strengths as mm -hmm. players. You know, they're really high IQ, they're field generals. But this linebacking core brings a different type of vibe. You know, when you have Bentley, when you have Trotter, when you have Carter, when you have Simpson, all of these guys can cover so much ground in so little time that it provides a lot of versatility. And like you're saying, you can move Barrett around in a Simmons-esque fashion. Yeah. You can move people around all around the field, and they're going to be able to line up and cover because Barrett can cover. Mm -hmm. You know, he plays some safety. You know, he put on weight when they brought him in here to be a linebacker, but he can still cover really well. You know, Simpson's been good in pass coverage this year as well. So it's like you have so much versatility on your hands with the linebacking core. You have so much talent up front on the defensive line. That secondary, while it has been a concern in the last couple weeks, 
it doesn't even have to be great for your defense mm. to still be successful as a unit. You're still going to be getting so much pressure and your linebackers can cover so much space that you can afford some errors in the secondary. And you're going to be able to make up for it. Yeah. And they've also, what they've been doing the last three games is create turnovers. We've had Barrett Carter have an interception and it's always when they need it the most with LA tech driving down the field, Jeremiah Trotter comes up with an interception Furman, the goal line staying with Barrett Carter and in company. It's just every single time I feel this season, when you look back at Georgia tech, Furman, Louisiana Tech, everyone can say, oh, how, why are you playing these teams close? Why is it 35 to 12? The way I look at it is, hey, these teams are going to throw their best punch at Clemson, but how does Clemson respond to that? Because it felt like last year when we got punched, we fell to the ground. Now we're striking back. Yeah. I don't know if that's something you could necessarily agree with or what your assessment is on that. No, I mean, I agree with it to the extent of, you know, when Furman or Louisiana Tech are coming into Death Valley, that's their Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, obviously two good programs, you know, Furman's really good in FCS every year. They make the playoffs pretty much every year. Um, and La Tech always has a dynamic offense. It seems like they're always putting up points. Love that their coach came out in the Ellis yeah, Strong shirt. Really classy move. Awesome. Got awesome nothing stuff. but respect for all of them. But at the end of the day, let's face it for what it is. That's the biggest game on their schedule. You're yeah. coming into Death Valley to play, you know, the three-time national champions. You're playing Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. That's a big deal. So they're going to pull out all the tricks in the book. I mean, we saw Furman had an excellent game plan against Clemson. Oh, yeah. Tight end had 13 catches. Tyler Huff, the Presbyterian transfer, had 300 yards through the air. Credit to them. You know, they came in with a great game plan and they executed, but that's the best that they're going to play all year. That's the best their yeah. offense is going to look all year. They're pulling out all the stops. They're identifying everything on film and they're picking every single play apart and seeing what they can get on the Tigers defense because there's such a talent discrepancy. So when you go into a game like Wake Forest, Clemson's got so much film on this mesh point from the past couple of years, the RPO, you know, Hartman's going to walk it up to the line and he's going to pull it out or he's going to hand it off or he's going to pull it out and run it for himself. Venables always blew it up, man. Yeah. A lot, none of these games were ever even close in the Brent Venables era. I'm going to assume he has passed that down onto West Goodwin and West Goodwin's going to have his unit ready to play. I'm I'm really excited to see the defense play more than the offense. Oh yeah. And what Goodwin's a football savant. He he is a genius. I mean, we talked to him press conferences. We talked to him just kind of one-on-one. He's just, you can ask him any question. He'll spill out just, Oh, this super specific stuff. And you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. But I'm excited to see how his first game against Wake Forest goes. This is the big – this is their big test. This is going to yeah. be a big measuring stick. This is the division champs all week. K.J. Henry, it was K.J., Adam Randall, any of the Bear Carter, any of those guys that said, hey, Wake Forest, they're the division champs. They're taking this as seriously as possible. Just saying, hey, we got to get – in order to be the best, we got to beat the best. And technically, Wake Forest was the best in the ACC besides Pittsburgh last year. Yeah, I mean, you got to get your lick back. It's as simple as that. Last year is a down year for Clemson football. You got to go get it back. You know, this is a program that has established a pedigree, established a standard of excellence. Last year, I can assure you that zero players on the Clemson football roster were happy watching that ACC title game. I know I wasn't happy. You know, I like, I like, I love, you know, uh, Sam Hartman, I love Wake Forest. I love the Pitt team. I think all of them do a great job. I was pissed watching that game. I was like, I wanted to be there. I wanted that to be the Tigers. So, you know, with everyone riding off Clemson last year, this season, you know, I bet a lot of them have taken a little bit personally that they've been dropped to five from four preseason. You're outside of the college football playoff picture right now. I would be taking that personally. You need to go in and establish yourself on the road against the division champs to be able to get a ranked win. And then you bounce back next week against NC State. When you look at these next two weeks, This is Clemson's prime chance to prove that last year was the fluke, not the standard. If you go in and you kill Wake Forest this week and you cover the spread and DJ plays another great game, because I got to admit, I wasn't on the DJ train at the start of the year. You know, there were a lot of concerns last year, but to his credit, and I'm, I'm, I'm someone that can admit when I'm wrong. DJ has improved vastly from last year. Oh, yeah. It's night and day. It's night and day. So if DJ goes in, he played he played well against Wake last year. If he goes in, he plays another good game against Wake Forest. And Clemson just really establishes themselves as an entity this year that's here to stay. 
I think that's going to be a big step for the, you know, the college football playoff picture, because at the end of the day, that's the goal here is to win a national title to make the college football playoff. I really want to see the Tigers return to that. And this is really where the season kicks off. Yeah. It, this, these three games felt like almost like an extension of the preseason where we're kind of just figuring out the kinks and trying to figure out what ebbs and flows work with this team. And well, let's talk about DJ, how you mentioned night and day difference with this quarterback. I know Kate Klubnik is the new shiny object. It's like when you go to the store and there's this new race car, new toy, and you're like, Oh, I want to get that. Right. But DJ guys, he's not only notably made improvements within the passing game, but I think his ability to run with the football. Oh yeah. He's been making, he's had some moves. He's had some little, like you press the little B button on that and you right stick a little bit. He's been making some nice shifty moves. It definitely feels like he's a lot healthier than last year and a lot more confident too. And it really shows. Yeah. I mean, me and my friends have anointed him skinny DJ. That's what we've been calling him. <laughs> Slim Cinco. Yeah. Slim Cinco. Slim Cinco, skinny DJ, whatever you want to call it. He needs to stay what he's on right now because he's been great this year. And as you're saying, like there've been a couple of times where he's been out in open space and it's head fake left and he's going right and, sh- and, you know, shifting a little bit backwards and he's gone, you know? So I think that, and you know, I saw something on Twitter too. It was on, uh, I think it was CU film review okay. and they posted the Shipley touchdown from last week, the safety was crashing in, right? And, like, obviously you have two options when you're the safety in the box playing against, like, a read option or an RPO. He completely stopped and and played DJ full-fledged. Like, DJ was right here. So DJ makes the proper read on the read option, number one. And he really created that touchdown with the threat of his legs because the safety had to respect his run. So he makes the correct read to Shipley. Shipley takes it to the crib. And at that point, Clemson didn't look back. But it was the threat of the run game which created that play because last year – they're sending everyone at Will Shipley. Oh, they're yeah. not They're not respecting DJ's run game because his knees hurt. He was a little bit heavier, so he wasn't going to be able to get to the outside. Now he's proven he's had 50-plus yards in a couple of games rushing the ball. He scored rushing touchdowns. He stared down that guy against Georgia Tech. <laughs> he's been a great rusher of the football this year. So he is taking strides, as you said, not only in the pass game, but his legs are providing a different element to the Clemson offense that we did not see last year that we really hadn't seen since Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the Clemson offense runs so much more smoothly when the quarterback is able to run with the football just because it adds an extra element. It just is that diversification of the offense that makes everything flow better. You have more options. You have more things for Streeter to be able to say, what this play sheet just becomes that much bigger. Saying, yeah. DJ can run the football. I can call so many more things. I can call RPOs. I can call read options, zone reads. It felt like the Clemson offense last year was about this thin. It felt like a high school offense. Yes, it felt very vanilla. It felt like everything was kind of running it. And also, you can account for injuries, too. You only had three scholarship receivers that were able to come out and play. But I also want to touch on – we can touch on the running game real quick in the offensive line, but I want to talk about the receivers real quick. Is there anyone besides Bo Collins getting in the end zone? And Antonio Williams seems to be an emerging star within this offense. Who are you expecting to step up against Wake Forest? I personally have been waiting to see the Joseph Ningata just – standout game he had a great catch against La Tech last weekend I've been waiting on him to just explode for me personally yeah I don't know man it's it's difficult obviously agent zero Antonio Williams yes he should be starting in the slot for one he's the most explosive player on this Clemson offense right now you got Bo who is just steady and consistent which there's nothing that this wide receiver room has needed more than Bo um he was great last year he stepped up he's really been the alpha of the room this year wide receiver one I think he's got three touchdowns on the year Mm -hmm. now three games caught a touchdown every game so you know, Bo has been super solid. He's been the pillar of consistency for the Tiger offense, which is needed. I still, I, th- I think my breakout candidate's Randall, man. I think that Randall, Randall I think mm-hmm. Randall's going to get more snaps this week. Um, you know, in the limited action he saw last week, because he didn't really play at all in the first half. And nope. then he came in with the twos last week. Uh, DJ was still the quarterback, but he came in with like the second wide receiver grouping. He catches that little pass on the sidelines. The most egregious no PI call I've seen all season. <laughs> He's getting grabbed. The, receipt, uh, the corner doesn't even turn around, and Adam just kind of sat there in the end zone and looked at the ref. He was just nodding his head. He was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Nothing you can do about that. But 
you saw the flashes of the plays he can make. You know how high the staff is on this kid. Oh, yeah. I've seen it firsthand. I mean, it might not be the best example, but me and Adam were on the same intramural basketball team back in, back last year. Go. This was pre-knee injury. And from what I've heard, he's even stronger and faster now. All I have to say is that Adam went up for a windmill on someone on a fast break in intramural basketball, and he boomed it off the back rim and missed. But at that point, I was just like, I was kind of wide-eyed because my athletic ability is good, but it will never be that no matter how many <laughs> weights I lift. No matter how many sprints I run, I will never be Adam Randall. He's a freak athlete. That's what he is. That's what he brings to the table. We've seen these type of big body receivers have Mike success Williams. at Clemson. Yeah, the real Mike Dub, best high pointer of the ball I've ever Absolutely. seen. So to have that element to the offense to where DJ can drop back and say, hey, go get me a 50-50 ball, throw one up against a smaller corner. I need Adam Randall to be able to play more snaps this week. I know you you don't want to rush him back, but this is a game where you can let the cat out of the bag. You know he's amped up to go against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. He didn't even think he would be here. I can't believe that you know Adam Randall's back so quickly in week four. This is the biggest game of the season thus far. So in Gato, we all know he's talented. He's just never really been able to put it all together. If he has a, a couple a couple reps where he's struggling because he struggled to get off the line at times this year, right. and I don't doubt his talent, he did have that great catch against La Tech. But I just want to see Randall get some some a few snaps with the ones, see what he can provide. Maybe give him a back shoulder fade in the red zone, give him a curl, just let him make a play in space, give him a chance to prove himself because I know he's eager for it. I know Adam, I know he's itching to get out there. Yeah, we, I talked to Cade about it. We, I think one of the reporters at media availability asked him a question, and Cade said. There's not really a way I can describe Adam Randall. You just have to see it. No, he was just smiling too. He's a freak. It was just like, oh my goodness. And we, uh, I or mentioned that play. It's right there. He just sit in the end zone. He's just like, ah, okay. Next time I'll get that. When you mentioned 50-50 balls, they're usually 90-10 for these Clemson receivers. Yeah. It is. It is go up and get it. We haven't really seen that since the days of T. Higgins freshman year, Justin Ross, and the extension of sophomore year. But Mike Williams is that one most notable. Where Deshaun Watson, he literally just the play call was. Toss it up and see what happens. A national championship in 2016. Mike Dubs was going to get it. That, what got that drive started was that 25-yard pass to Mike Williams where he just high points the ball and it cuts the field in half. It's, Adam Randall could be that guy. And if yeah. we get to see that against Wake Forest, we talk about DJ, how, how his ability only makes the offense just continues to expand that play sheet. If Adam Randall is able to do that, it just – we can keep, I don't know how much I can extend my hands, but the yeah. play sheet will be that much bigger. I mean, Wake's got some injuries in the secondary. They don't have a great secondary as well. I just want to see Adam Randall going up against the Wake CB3. Just throw a ball. <laughs> just throw, I just give him a couple looks, give him some chance to make plays because I think when you guys see this kid on the field, you guys are going to be absolutely blown away. Obviously, you know, it's taking my word, it's taking the staff's word because these are some of the people that have seen it. I know you were at the practice, yep. you've been at practice before as well. And I think Adam might have been in a yellow jersey yeah. at the media practice, but I'm telling you right now, this kid is an absolutely unbelievable athlete. He's an otherworldly athlete. And when he gets a chance to showcase his talents for the fullest, he could be the next great Clemson wide receiver. I feel oh, confident yeah. in saying that. I mean, I, he's, so that, he's that level of athlete. They just got to give him a chance to shine it. I understand you don't want to rush him back, but this is a game that he's going to be itching to play in. Give him 25 snaps. Give him, put him on a snap limit. Give him 25 snaps. Give him a couple targets. Give him a couple design plays. Let him go make a play. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just – the, the sport, the embarrassment of riches on both sides of the football this year, that, that's all we heard was depth, depth, depth. Yep. They've got it. They got to use it. And for the biggest game of the season, there's no more holding things back. It's, it's go time. You got to go. You got to open up the playbook. I mean, yeah. even embarrassment of riches, you got two really good slot receivers. You got Spectre and Williams yeah. that can both rotate in and both have their own value within the team. And like you say, there's so many guys that can play outside that we know are talented. We're just kind of waiting for everybody to put it all together. 
there's never going to be a better week for the offense to click. I'm hoping we see some full clicking this year from Brandon Shooter's unit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Will Shipley, too, continuing to get – I think he's the first ACC player to have three straight games with multiple touchdown rushes. I don't know if that's – we were, were asking him, and he was like, oh, really? He's like, okay. Yeah, Will was on something else last week, man. That was that was crazy. He, he was – He's making a new face every week. He was, feels like. he was shot out of a cannon last week. There's no other way to put it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So – that look with that wrapping up, you want to give your score predictions and we'll talk a little bit about your Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to say 34 to 20 Tigers. Um, okay. I don't think this is going to be as high scoring as some people may think. I really think Clemson's defense is going to be able to shut down Wake Forest. I know last year was 48-27. Yeah. Um, I'm going to buy the Clemson defense more than the Clemson offense, even though the first three games have been a little bit to the contrary. I think Wake is going to have some things they can pull out defensively that are going to be able to stall the Tigers at points. Um, I think we're going to see a close game in the first half, and then Clemson's going to come out early in the third quarter and start to kind of pull away. Yeah, I, I put on the uh, on the Clemson Sports News side my prediction this morning. I had 38-24. I think that's going to be very close in the first half. We're yep. going to see each team kind of trade punches, trade blows. But I think in the third quarter, you mentioned it right at the beginning of the show, Hartman is prone to mistakes. And I think there's going to be one crucial mistake that they make that Clemson doesn't, that's going to turn the tide and it's just going to be a pull away from there. Yeah. So Hartman's going to we'll throw see. a pick. Yeah. I, that's the, I mean, I think Hartman could throw two picks. I think he's a great player, but he's a risk taker. Everybody knows that he's going to throw the ball into coverage. So if the Clemson DBs are able to make plays, I, you know, I'm going to give a bold prediction. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say got if, if Fred Davis plays, I think Fred Davis is going to intercept the ball. Ooh, I heard it here first. Fred Davis. If it happens, I'm clipping this and putting yeah. it on. You can all, put all it on all socials, but if not, <laughs> throw away the tape. Throw away the tape if Fred Davis does not pick off a ball. You know what's going to happen is Fred Davis is going to drop a pick. That's oh, what's going to happen. Gonna be, that's going to be even worse. <laughs> it's better. It'd be better if he didn't do anything yeah. at all. <laughs> but let's let's talk about Paxton. You're a big Eagles fan. That's, big Eagles uh, fan. Very well documented. Very well documented this year. They are on fire. Are. I, I mentioned on the podcast in the summer, the Eagles and the Saints were two of my teams that I thought in a wide-open NFC, they could take a big leap. One team is kind of – stagnate a little bit with Winston and it's more about the back injury with the Eagles man they look like they both like one of the better teams in the NFC that could compete for that crown for the NFC title I know it's only two games in I want to get your thoughts on it as an Eagles fan this is the best they've looked since the Carson Wentz Super Bowl days yeah in my, my opinion I mean this is the favorite in the NFC to me I said it before the season and you know I got called a madman for saying that 13 <laughs> wins was realistic, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the roster construction. When you look at the roster construction, the Eagles are so sound in the trenches on both sides of the ball. The offensive line is elite, and that's going to open up the run game. The run game makes Jalen Hurts' life infinitely easier. Mm -hmm. And admittedly, when we drafted Jalen Hurts, my initial thought was, what the hell are we doing? We just paid Carson Wentz $130 million to draft a quarterback in the second round. It made no sense. It made no sense at the time. I am man enough to admit that Howie Roseman knew something I didn't because Jalen Hurts looks like he's taking the lead. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know if you watched the game last week against Minnesota. Oh, yeah. But that's a really good defensive unit. And he had 333 yards through the air. He added 57 yards on the ground and two rushing touchdowns. He was 26 of 31. Like, he looked incredible. He looked like the best quarterback that the Eagles have seen since that 2017 year. Wentz had a really good 2019. I'm not a Carson Wentz hater. I still think he's a, a good quarterback. Obviously, this week, you've got, like, the revenge narrative setting up with the Eagles going into Washington. But, you know, I couldn't be happier with the Eagles through two weeks. The defense always goes big at home. You know, obviously the Lions put up 35 in week one. I'm not the biggest Jonathan Gannon believer as a defensive coordinator. I was a Jim Schwartz guy. I just don't think he ever got the personnel for his defense to fully click. But you got so much talent on both sides of the ball, whether it's Hassan Reddick, whether it's Josh Sweat. Big play Slay had two picks last yeah. week. Like James Bradbury's a lockdown cornerback, too, that we signed in free agency. And then 
Marcus Epps has been big at safety. Your linebackers are playing so much better. TJ Edwards has been so much better this year than he was last year at linebacker. So when you combine everything, the Eagles have a top five roster in the NFL. And if Jalen Hurts continues to play at a high level and display his talents, not only through the air, but on the ground, I don't see why the Eagles can't contend for the NFC crown. The NFC is wide open. The AFC is infinitely better than the, uh, than the NFC. The NFC yeah. is wide open. So you know, I don't see why the birds can't do it if they continue to click. Yeah, and especially within the NFC East, you got the Cowboys who are falling apart yep. uh, by, the, the, by the second Cooper Rush. I, I said on the podcast on Wednesday that we are comparing kind of Tua's situation with uh, saying, look, Tua can handle some stuff that's thrown at him. Cooper Rush is going to get into a game where it's just going to be too much. He's yep. not like Dak Prescott who can throw for 400 yards against the Patriots for one week. He's not going to be able to put up 37 touchdowns. It's just not realistic. The Eagles have a prime opportunity here not only get a home playoff game, which – as you know, big. Philly fans, they do they do it differently. You got you got to be playing in the link. You, you got to be playing in the link. Like the link is such an advantage to be at home. Like and the Eagles schedule is so easy. It was yeah. a blessing in disguise to not win the division last year. I will forever claim to that. I'm so glad the Eagles did not win the division last year because you weren't going to do anything in the playoffs with a rookie head coach and essentially a rookie quarterback. Your wide receiver one was also a rookie in Devontae Smith. Your your defensive coordinator was a rookie in Jonathan Gannon. You had so much youth last year. There was so much inexperience. It was a great successful season to go nine and eight to make the playoffs. You go down to Tampa Bay and you get your butt whooped. But I'm glad that happened because it, it made, it made Jalen Hurts like Jalen Hurts has literally talked about to say he's like that will forever scar me. Y'all might think I'm overreacting, <laughs> but that was my first NFL playoff game and I lost our team the game. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. But Jalen Hurts is one of those guys that's so easy to root for because of his work ethic. He's gotten better at every level of football every year he's played. You know, he is the perfect leader. He is the PR dream. He says all the right things. Everyone loves him. The coaching staff raves about him. The front office raves about him. So he's such an easy guy to root for, and he's really won me over. I was salty about the Wentz trade when it went down. I know that the Eagles got a good return, but Wentz was my guy. Like, mm -hmm. that was probably the best quarterback I've ever seen played for the Eagles. You know, Michael Vick was great, obviously, but he had his flaws. He threw three picks in a playoff game against Green Bay the one year that the Eagles were really supposed to contend, So that and then threw the pick to end it, too, yeah. in that game. So I always thought that Carson Wentz was the best quarterback I was ever going to see play for this franchise. So that it, it stung me when he got traded Jalen Hurts has full-fledged me one of me I'm 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 borderline on the verge of getting a jersey oh that's how far Jalen Hurts is that's how go. far Jalen Hurts has won me over like <laughs> it is just impossible not to love this kid if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan I couldn't ask for a better face of the franchise a better leader so putting everything together with the Eagles week schedule with the open NFC with the leap that Hurts appears to have taken as a passer I think the Eagles are the favorite in the NFC. And, th and that might sound crazy, but you have to look at like the surrounding factors. You have a weak division. You have a weak schedule in general, and you have a really good roster. So if you can beat up on the bad teams and do what you're supposed to do, obviously we'll drop one or two games we're not supposed to. We might lose this week. This week could be a trap game against the Commanders. We could lose the Jaguars the following week. The NFL is really unpredictable. But I don't see why this team can't go 12-5 and five and win the division, get the two seed in the NFC or the one seed in the NFC, and then win a playoff game. I really don't see why it can't happen. Yeah, and I look at teams like the NFC that competed last year. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got an offensive line problem. They got a receiver issue. Godwin and Evans. I mean, Evans is going to be out for this one game, but Godwin's so battling really for that injury. Julio um, Jones is hurting out. Their wide receiver two this week's Cole Beasley, who they just picked up out of free agency. Yeah, the Rams, I thought I've had it all figured out with the Rams, thinking they were going to come out in the NFC swinging. They look very suspect right now. Matthew Stafford. Stafford's is, a pick machine. Yeah. Man. I don't know how they won the Super Bowl. Like, their <laughs> roster was really good, but I never thought Stafford would win the Super Bowl with them. I can't even lie. And I think Green Bay's offense, I love Sammy Watkins to death, but he's not your not wide receiver one. There's no in wide his receivers 30s. in Green no. Bay. Did you see the, the clip of Aaron Rodgers where Christian Watson dropped that ball in week one? And he just looked at the sidelines and he was like, <laughs> he kind of gave like a little smirk to the sidelines. I'm like, 
Aaron Rodgers is a psycho. I think he's I think he's happy he doesn't have any wide receivers. I think he just kind of wants to stick it to the franchise at this point. Oh, yeah. He, it's kind of like the uh, – I mean, I don't want to dabble into the whole political thing, but Joe Rogan's podcast, that was an eye-opener right there. He just sitting there smoking and out. I was like, man, this guy is crazy. Yeah, Rogers is a character, man. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how much he cares about football. I'm not really taking Green Bay serious. I think that the Eagles are better than Green Bay, top to bottom, think, roster for roster. I thought I think Minnesota they, was better than Green Bay. I, I still think Minnesota's better yeah. than Green Bay for the record. I, You know – as long as they don't play on Monday night, like, they, they yeah, be good. and like, why does Kirk always do this? Like, <laughs> I, I, like, I actually like Kirk Cousins, which is like a rare. I, I feel like everyone hates on him. I'm trying to defend him because statistically, he's always been elite. Like, but it's just like he folds. Like he threw three picks, dude, yeah. and, and like the last pick was just like a complete brain dead like he just chucked one up into double coverage and slay picked it up and he was laughing on the sidelines he said why did kirk throw that he's literally <laughs> mic'd up he said why did kirk throw that and hassan, hassan reddick came over and he was also mic'd up and they were just laughing at kirk cousins That's on monday so- night football this was a team that dominated green bay the week before and the eagles were laughing at him this is the um the version of the i'm seeing ghost sam darnold thing yeah, I don't know. The, the Miking up the wrong people for the funny reasons. I'll but. tell you right now, though, Kirk, 1 p.m. game against the Lions. He's thrown four touchdowns this week. That's just who he is. When, Lions are toast. When the spotlight's not on Kirk Cousins, he's going to eat, and he's going to get you three touchdowns a game. But when it's primetime game and you need to win, he, he folds. I'm starting him in fantasy. I'm uh, starting him in fantasy, too. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta take Kirk. So before we wrap up, I just want to get your quick thoughts. Um, it's very well documented that I'm a big Patriots fan. Try to keep it very uh, mellow. Whenever uh, things go, because you don't want to appear biased. That's that's the one. That's the one goal right. here. I'm a little worried. Uh, for the first two games, the defense has been a pleasant surprise. We didn't get absolutely torched by Miami like I thought we would, and then the offense has been about as bad as you could. Uh, besides the one throw to Aguilar, it feels like every drive is an absolute struggle. It feels like we're we have two concrete slabs and we're dragging it. Everyone like each offensive lineman, each receiver, even Mac Jones. It just feels very. Each first down feels like a miracle right now. And it's it, it going in against Baltimore, a very offensively explosive team, a little worried. I, I don't know how this is going to fare, play, very much pan out, but trying to stay optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I like Mac Jones. Um, yeah. I think that was the correct draft pick. You needed a quarterback. And I think Mac is good enough. I'm not sure he's ever going to be that elite-level quarterback, but I think he's good enough. I think he's going to develop. He's a smart player most of the time. I think he had a really good season last year. This is always going to be a team that needs to be carried by their defense, though, because you don't have any weapons on the outside, of my opinion. Like, I know you have Aguilar, who's fine, but, like, there's a lack of weaponry in New England, and that really backtracks, in my opinion, the Patriots have not been a great drafting team for, like, the past four or five years. Besides twenty, besides the year with Mac Jones where they got uh, Ramondre Stevenson, yeah. they got Christian Barmore and Mac Jones, that was about as home run as it gets for yeah. drafts. I mean, Cole Strange, it appears so far, I don't know if you've seen clips of him going up against Cam Hayward. It looks like he's been he's he'll been be, a good pick. He'll be a good pick. It looks like he will pan out very well. But besides that, I'm just sitting last scratching couple, my head. Like the last three, four drafts before the Mac Jones draft, I there you can probably find one hit per draft. Like the Patriots yeah. were not drafting well. And I think that's just like you don't have the greatest quarterback of all time on your team anymore. So it's kind of starting to and the it greatest tight end it. of all time. It masks yeah, it, a lot when, of it. When you've got Brady and Gronk and you're good up front every year and you're re-signing these players for cheap deals because they want to win, it's easy to mask a lot of the problems you have offensively with the greatest quarterback of all time. And when you've got your system down, now Brady leaves, and I'm not saying that Brady was responsible for all the success because that's definitely not the truth. Bill Belichick's one of the greatest coaches of all time. But you've got some real looking in the mirror to do because you've got to change some things. You don't have – Tom Brady's not walking through those doors in New England anymore. So 
you're going to have to change some things principally to be able to compete at a high level. I do think the defense has been a positive. I mean, you lose JC, right? Uh, he's in the – where's yeah. JC now? Chargers. Chargers, yeah. And he didn't look great against Kansas City. He kind of actually got – I mean, he got a touchdown caught on him by Justin Watson, who I actively said, who, at my TV <laughs> when he caught that touchdown. I thought it was Sky Moore at first. I'm like, wait, who is that? They're like – and Watson into the end zone. So it's been rough for J.C. Jackson. You lose him and you lose Gilmore over the last couple of years, and people are thinking the defense is going to regress. Defense hasn't been the problem. You nope. just got to put points on the board. You got to pick up your defense, and uh, there's just not a lot of consistency. Like, I know Stevenson's all right, and I know Damian Harris is all right, but your run game's not really encouraging. Like, I don't think it's good enough to rely on. And then when you look at the weaponry, it's just like, you know, it's a bunch of mid, if we're being honest. Oh, on no, the yeah. Outside. I, so I was excited when we signed uh, – Kendrick Bourne was a pleasant surprise last year. I don't think he's necessarily on that tier upper echelon of wide receiver ones, but he's yeah. certainly productive. And then he's thrown in the doghouse for the first two games. Yeah. For uh, that stuff. But the only, the one thing that was encouraging to me for that final against Pittsburgh was the final six minute drive. It felt very new England esque where they just ran out the clock. They were able to methodically walk on the field. Belichick and I draft. was like, wait a minute, life consistency. And I was like, that is what we need to take into these next couple of weeks. I think after they play Baltimore, then they play green Bay and the schedule gets much easier. I was telling, talking to some of my buddies who are Patriots fans, saying, hey, they can at least survive this portion, maybe potentially go two and two and snag an upset here. They got the Lions, the Bears, the Jets twice, and a very underwhelming Colts team. Yeah. They, there's in a very stacked AFC, that's where you got to get your wins. Yeah. You're going to have to beat up on the bad teams. And especially, like you said, like Miami's really good now yeah. as well with McDaniel. Goodness. They look great. I mean, you could have me playing quarterback, throwing the ball to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and I don't think it would matter much. You just need to get them the ball and get out just, of the way. Just chuck it up. Just, They're basically playing four birds on Madden. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like, last week was just eye-opening for so many reasons in the Miami game. And then, obviously, Buffalo is probably the best team in the NFL, if we're being honest. I mean, they – it almost looks too easy. Yeah, they're they're absolutely loaded on both sides of the ball. You lose Dable on offense, and your offense doesn't skip a beat. Josh Allen's just that guy. You know, Stephon Diggs catches three touchdowns last week. So, uh, you've got a tough division. You've got an uphill battle. But as you said, there are winnable games on the schedule. It's really just about capitalizing on those opportunities. And you're going to have to get an upset or two if you want to sneak into the playoffs. But, you know, if there's anyone that I'm not going to doubt long-term to Bill Belichick and New England Patriots, we've just seen this team be the pillar of success for so long. I would be stupid to doubt them. I still think they're going to get eight plus ones this year. Yeah, I had them at nine and eight as their ceiling, and maybe maybe ten and seven, kind of a repeat of last year. They they're could not go gonna, nine and They're eight. not going to win seven straight, and they're not going to go ballistic on the NFL. And there was a there was a point last year where people were telling me you realize that you're going to get Tom Brady and Matt Jones in the Super Bowl, and I was like, could happen, but it ended up not being the case with uh last year's game. But uh, that's going to wrap it up for uh, today. Uh, Faction, you got anything you want to add before we uh? finish up today no no thank you for having me on you know happy to come on and talk anytime and uh just appreciate the opportunity yeah tuesdays and wednesdays from seven to eight on the roar uh, uh tune in to facts on sports we got some big things coming soon 100 big things so guys this was episode 104 with a uh, facts on shoulders thank you so much man for coming on this is our first in-person kind of live interview so i'm very excited about that be sure to follow both our twitter accounts we'll be updating the game as things progress tomorrow be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review to let us know that you like what you're listening to. Thank you so much, guys, as always, and take care.